0: Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which this work was developed and is presented. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome back to the Community Library. I'm your host, Angaurie Rice. Before I get into the episode, uh, excuse the construction noises in the background, I have my window open to let some fresh air in while I'm recording, because I've been cooped up in this room for a whole week now, and it feels like it's been seven years. (laughs) So, please excuse the construction, just listen to the sound of my soothing voice. So, this week, I'm getting back on track with an episode that I planned late last year, just before I extended my podcast hiatus. So if you can remember, I was doing one theme every month, and my theme for the month of December was classics. Now, due to my extended hiatus and also COVID-19, my monthly theme plan is all off kilter now, but I'll bring it back. December was all about classics, and I had already released two episodes on that theme one called From Dickens to Wolf, What is a Classic? And also a discussion on Shakespeare with my good mate, Lawrence. So I'll link them both in the show notes if you'd like to listen. You don't have to listen to them to listen to this one first, but um, it's just good background information, especially the first one, What is a Classic? I began the month on a journey to answer the question, what is a classic? So for my final episode linked to this theme, I decided to look to the future for answers and I read two modern classics and I compared them. So if you remember, in the episode From Dickens to Wolf, What is a Classic? I did some googling to find what the internet thought would become classics in the future. And the two most frequently mentioned authors were Zadie Smith and Haruki Murakami. So I went to the bookshop and I bought White Teeth by Zadie Smith, which is her debut novel, and Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami. So let's get into the discussion. Let's start off with White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Here's what Goodreads says. At the center of this invigorating novel are two unlikely friends, Archie Jones and Samad Iqbal. Hapless veterans of World War II, Archie and Samad and their families become agents of England's irrevocable transformation. After his first wife divorces him, Archie marries Clara Bowden, a beautiful Jamaican woman half his age, and soon enough they have a daughter. Samad's late-in-life arranged marriage produces twin sons whose separate paths confound Iqbal's every effort to direct them. Set against London's racial and cultural tapestry, venturing across the former empire and into the past as it barrels towards the future, White Teeth revels in the ecstatic hodgepodge of modern life, flirting with disaster, confounding expectations, and embracing the comedy of daily existence. Now onto Norwegian Wood. Goodreads says, Toru, a quiet and preternaturally serious young college student in Tokyo, is devoted to Naoko, a beautiful and introspective young woman, but their mutual passion is marked by the tragic death of their best friend years before. Toru begins to adapt to campus life and the loneliness and isolation he faces there, but Naoko finds the pressures and responsibilities of life unbearable. As she retreats further into her own world, Toru finds himself reaching out to others and drawn to a fiercely independent and sexually liberated young woman. Norwegian Wood brilliantly captures a young man's first hopeless and heroic love. These are the two summaries. I think that they capture the books fairly well and I read some version of this on the back of the books when I was in the bookshop before I bought them. But I want to get into my thoughts and how I felt while reading the book and how I felt after I finished it. So I want to talk about White Teeth first. It took me longer to read, but I finished it first, and it took me a while to get into. It's it's a very dense literary novel, and it's really character-driven, which I like, but for a long time it wasn't clear to me what the whole point of the story was you know, what the central themes were. But then, finally, in the last 100 pages or so, everything tied together and really gave the first 350 pages of story actual meaning. The main thing I loved about this book was Smith's writing style, and this is why she was named my favorite new author of 2019. I have a whole blog post on my 2019 book awards, so I'll link that in the show notes as well. Even though I only read one of her works, I am so excited to read more because her writing style was just so captivating. There wasn't much dialogue, which usually I'm not a huge fan of, but I found that her writing flowed so well that it wasn't necessary. You know, I learnt the characters' motivations and intentions through their inner dialogue, and it didn't feel like a whole bunch of crude exposition. It it was really seamless. Each of these characters had such a unique and distinct voice, and we're following a cast of seven main characters and around three or so secondary characters, but I still felt like I knew and understood every single one. I found that her characterization was just incredible. There's something I liked about this book that's hard to put my finger on, and I think maybe the only way I can describe it is that it felt uncommon or rare you know there are a few things about it that made it feel strange or unusual a few examples it begins with a man trying and failing to commit suicide and the story spans multiple decades but it still feels like it all takes place over one very intense week And there are other strange things that I didn't expect to find in there, like a man who cries blood and a cult that wears green bow ties. It's bizarre, but intriguing. So even though this story is just about people living their lives, you know, falling in love, getting married, going through heartbreak, making mistakes, Zadie Smith really makes these ordinary moments feel extraordinary to the reader. Now, I didn't rate this book five stars. It it wasn't perfect for me. I think it took a bit too long to get going, and there's also a certain event that I wish hadn't happened. I I understand why it happened, um, but it felt kind of tacked on at the end and, and didn't really make sense with the characters. If you haven't read the book, I won't spoil it for you, but if you have, it happens between Irie and the twins at the end of the book. But as a whole, I I really enjoyed the novel, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. And to think that it was Zadie Smith's debut novel is actually astounding. So let's talk about how I felt about Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami. I liked this one a lot less than White Teeth, but there were a few things that I liked, so I want to start out on a positive note. The tone and pacing were great. It's very accessible and readable literary fiction. My issues weren't with how the story was written, but rather the story itself. So I actually really liked the writing style, and this is why I think I want to read more Murakami in the future, even though I didn't like Norwegian Wood. So I was cautious going in because the back of the book promises a fiercely independent and sexually liberated young woman um, with whom our protagonist falls in love. This was automatically a bit of a red flag for me because I find that female characters who are described as independent are often completely dependent on the male protagonist. Unfortunately, I thought I was right. Um, Though this book is about Toru. He's kind of a non-character. He is an observer of a collection of women in his life. Um, The first is his old friend and first love, Naoko. The second is Naoko's housemate, Raiko. And the third is a college classmate, Midori. Now, these women are all quirky and affected and obsessed with sex. And for some reason, for a reason that I couldn't understand at all, they're all in love with our very bland and unsympathetic male protagonist. There are also multiple points in the book where the women talk about wanting or sometimes even needing to be saved. There's a quote here, quote, I imagine myself wandering in a deep wood. I'm all alone and it's cold and dark and nobody comes to save me, end quote. So that's one example and it's spoken by Naoko. But even though... All these women are all reaching out to be, quote, saved. Um, Naoko is wanting to be saved from depression, Raiko from her troubled past, and Midori from her dysfunctional family. Toru appears to be oblivious to anyone's needs but his own. These three women are all going through really difficult times in their life. Naoko in particular, and she confides in Toru for comfort and guidance, but Never once does Toru ask, what do you need? (laughs) Instead, he persists with what he needs, which is love that Naoko cannot give him. And then he feels sorry for himself when Naoko withdraws from him. The other issue that I had with this book, um, I want to talk about, but first I want to give a content warning for rape and sexual assault. So if you're particularly sensitive to people talking about that, then skip to this time here. 12 minutes and 55 seconds. So, this book is quite sexually explicit, and sex is a big theme in the book. Over the course of the book, Toru manages to have sex with the three female supporting characters, and it just seemed so strange and contrived to me um, because, as a character, he seems to exhibit absolutely no charming or attractive qualities, and yet the girls are fawning over him. And it wasn't even like there was a proper build-up to these scenes as well. Um, The last one in particular, it just seemed to happen for no apparent reason that makes sense for the story. The only reason I can think of is that, oh, we can't possibly have a male and female character be friends, because that's ridiculous. There was also one scene in particular that was really uncomfortable for me to read, and Seemingly unnecessary for the story, actually. The only purpose of it was to show that Raiko was damaged, um, but I think it could have been done in a different way that wasn't so upsetting. So, Raiko describes a, a sexual encounter she had with a young female piano student, and that appears to be the catalyst for her mental health issues. And, and she tells, we discover the story because she tells Toru about it. The story is that the girl who was 13 sexually assaulted Raiko, who was in her 30s at the time, and then told everyone that Raiko assaulted her, the 13-year-old girl. So this is probably one of my least favorite tropes in fiction because it discredits and discourages people who come forward with actual stories of abuse. Um, Also in this case, the student was 13 and it felt really hypersexualized and and like some sort of fantasy through the male gaze. And finally there were a lot of very casual and flippant references to rape, which was very unnecessary. Often the intent of it was to show that Tory was such a great guy because he wasn't going to rape any of the women, which is setting the bar very low for what makes someone a quote unquote good guy. Um, so that was another issue that I had with it. Overall, I did like the writing style, and I think maybe I could like some of Murakami's other work, but nothing about the story really worked for me, and I found some elements of it very dated and insensitive. But my dislike of this novel isn't going to influence my discussion. Hopefully I'm going to have a very fair discussion here and comparison of these two novels and why I think they have been labelled as future classics. So first I want to break these novels down into what they are. Not their content, but what they are. White Teeth is a British novel published in 2000, and it's Zadie Smith's debut novel. Norwegian Wood, on the other hand, is a Japanese novel translated from the Japanese into English and published in 1987. It's Haruki Murakami's second published standalone novel. And it was the first one that really kind of catapulted him into success in Western literature. In terms of the setting, White Teeth takes place in North London from the 70s through to the early 90s. And Norwegian Wood is set in Tokyo in 1969. So we actually have kind of almost a crossover of the time period in which these books are set. Some key themes, white teeth, family relationships, parenting, motherhood, fatherhood, you've got sibling dynamics, you've got religion versus politics. A big theme is history and heritage and culture and and what it means to reject that. In Norwegian Wood, we've got first love, coming of age, obsession and infatuation, um, a lot of romance and sex. We also have this dichotomy of life and death, and a big discussion on mental health and depression. Another overarching theme, I think, is nostalgia and memory, and and what it means to trust your memory or lose memories. So if we break it down to what these novels have in common and their similarities, Both of them were written outside the time of publication, so both of these authors decided to set their work outside of when they were writing them. But both of them are set in relatively contemporary settings. I I wouldn't call either of them historical fiction. And both of these novels are realistic fiction about real-life issues. There's no fantasy, there's no sci-fi. Both of them kind of focus on the mundane and how the mundane can be extraordinary. Both of these novels are also character studies. They're not very plot-driven, mostly about relationships. And I think both of them are also coming of age. I think Norwegian Wood definitely is a coming-of-age story, and I think White Teeth has elements of of coming-of-age stories because we're following a huge cast of characters, and some of them are adults and, and some of them are young people. And of course, both of these books are about love and the way that love manifests in different ways and how different people feel love. A key theme that I think both of these novels explore is isolation. And I want to talk about isolation in White Teeth. I think Smith explores this in a really interesting way because none of these characters are isolated in the physical sense like Toru is. These characters are all on top of each other, really. They're all living in the same space. The characters dip in and out of each other's lives while also living their own. So their isolation comes from within as each of the characters struggles to be understood by their family. And what I like is that these lonelinesses kind of intersect and overlap as they all try and figure out what the hell they're doing. Isolation in Norwegian Wood, however, is isolation as a young person. You know, Toru is in college, I think he's like 21 or 22 in the book. He's a very disconnected and isolated person, not only mentally but also physically. He lives alone and he says he has so much privacy that he can go days on end without talking to anyone. A big theme in Norwegian Wood is death and this is something that Toru is very connected to and I think influences his isolation. So his best friend committed suicide two years ago and his other best friend, who is the girl he's in love with, She has checked herself into a mental health facility hidden in a forest up a mountain. And so because of this connection to death, he seems to constantly think about death, which cuts him off from the world around him. I'm going to give you a sentence here that probably doesn't make sense, but hopefully you'll get what I mean. If White Teeth explores collective isolation, there's an oxymoron for you, then Norwegian Wood is solitary isolation, which is a redundant phrase. Of course, another big theme that I want to highlight is love. In White Teeth, I felt that love was always inextricably linked with hate or spite or conflict. A lot of the love was unrequited, falling apart or broken. Love always seemed to come with tension. And the characters love each other, of course. They're they're family, but these families live in a war zone. And it might appear to be a cynical take on love, but I really liked it because love is complicated and it's messy and it doesn't make sense, so that aspect felt really real and truthful to me. In Norwegian Wood, I would like to argue that the love represented here isn't really love, but rather obsession or infatuation. Toru is supposedly in love with Naoko, the former girlfriend of his best friend, the very same friend who killed himself two years ago. Toru's love for Naoko is all-consuming, but it's unrequited. To me, at least, it appears to be an infatuation or an obsession founded on the basis of Toru wanting something he can't have. But that is my interpretation. Another interpretation of it is that it's about all-consuming first love, and it's real, and it's raw, and it's pure, but it is also complicated and linked with tension. Both of these novels explore love, not in a cynical way, but in a realistic way. That it isn't always happy times and butterflies and sunshine and rainbows. Love is linked with conflict a lot of the time. So of course there are quite a few differences between these two novels. I kind of have drawn up a table of opposites, if you will. So in White Teeth, I think White Teeth explores politics and the wider culture and society of the time. It talks about the cultural climate in the 70s through the 80s and into the 90s. Whereas with Norwegian Wood, it's a very insular story and the story exists only within the world of the characters. Um, We don't get any idea of what the wider cultural context was. Something White Teeth explores a lot is religion and how that connects to identity. Norwegian Wood doesn't really talk about that. It talks about death and, and mental illness and what there is after death and ghosts and, and things like that and spirits, but it's not the same as religion. Religion is a common experience and exists in a wider cultural context, whereas in Norwegian Wood, Murakami is exploring the self and one particular person's beliefs and ideologies. Finally, I want to boil it down to two simple words and and one simple dichotomy, and that's life and death. I think White Teeth is all about life, and Norwegian Wood is all about death. A big difference that I want to talk about a little bit more is how White Teeth explores generations and family and family history and a shared history, whereas Norwegian Wood looks at the self and the solitary experience. So both of these stories have a strong connection to memory and history, but in very different ways. So in White Teeth, memories permeate every single paragraph. Every character is given a history, a background, a context to make you understand them better. And it comes back to the theme of intergenerational connections, you know, how we carry the memories and the trauma and the love of our ancestors. And these memories and histories are shared experiences that trickle down through the generations and influence how the characters live their lives. When we look at Norwegian Wood, the whole story of Norwegian Wood is a memory. The novel begins with a much older Toru on a plane to Germany when the song Norwegian Wood plays, and he remembers his connection to it. But rather than this story being about a shared memory or a shared experience or family, like White Teeth, it's all about the self and the ego and personal reminiscence. It's very introspective and insular, also because it's from first-person perspective, whereas White Teeth is third-person perspective. And unlike in White Teeth, where we get two or three or sometimes even more pages of history for every single character, Norwegian Wood, these characters are like plucked out of obscurity. We don't know anything about their families. We don't know anything about where they come from or what their history is. All we know about them exists in this two to three year time period, which begins um, when Tori's best friend dies and ends when the story ends. The memories in Norwegian Wood are from just one lifetime, just one perspective. And it makes everything seem more unreliable and more temporary and more fleeting. Also, because Toru remarks that sometimes he keeps forgetting things, or sometimes these things are as clear as day and other times they're blurry. So it just feels very fleeting. If White Teeth explores immortality through family histories, then Norwegian Wood explores mortality through one person's memory. I think. White Teeth explores the concept of many, and Norwegian Wood explores the concept of one. But does my brief analysis and comparison of these two future classics answer the question of what a classic actually is? I don't think so. (laughs) Not definitely. I mean, for one thing, I only read two of these supposed future classics, which gives me hardly enough data to reach a conclusion. But I've definitely observed a few things in this experiment. So to begin with, these novels do actually have quite a few things in common with the classics from back in the day. They both explore fairly universal themes, love and loss and loneliness, White Teeth looks at family and religion, while Norwegian Wood explores depression and death. Both of these novels are considered literary fiction, but the writing is very readable and accessible. So even though people might not find Jane Austen's writing particularly accessible now, at the time it was considered pulp fiction for housewives. (laughs) But of course, there are also a few differences between these two novels that have been labeled as future classics and the true classics of our time. So for starters, Haruki Murakami is a Japanese author and Norwegian Wood is a translated work. So when thinking about the classics from the 19th century, not many were translated from another language into English. And if they were, then it was from French, German, Latin or Greek small note here, I'm choosing to exclude the Bible from this whole study of classics. Um, That's a whole other kettle of fish that I don't want to get into right now, but yes, technically the Bible was translated. Anyway, so the fact that this is translated fiction from a Japanese author that has become popular in Western literature as well is quite a difference from the old uh, Western classics. Another clear difference is that Zadie Smith is a woman of colour. When looking at the classics, less than half of them are written by women, and almost none of them are written by people of colour. Now, this is not to say that people of colour weren't writing at the time, because they were, but the texts that were written during that time haven't permeated pop culture or education text lists in the same way that novels by white people have, due to the ongoing institutionalised and structural racism. But not only is there more diversity in the authors of future classics, but also in the stories that they tell. If we're just taking from these two that I read, White Teeth focuses on a family of Bangladeshi immigrants and also an interracial couple, all living in North London. Norwegian Wood discusses depression and mental health in a way that was completely unheard of in the 19th century. So, cultural context and diversity aside, Are these books about the same things as old classics? Do they have that one universal thing that gives them the label of future classic? I think maybe one possible answer is this. It's all about matters of the heart. In the episode where I talked about Shakespeare's plays with my friend Lawrence, he was talking about how the plays always had three components in order to please the three tiers of social hierarchy that came to see Shakespeare's works. So the first tier was violence and slapstick comedy. The third tier was big philosophical ideas. And then the second tier was matters of the heart. Romance, emotion, empathy for the characters. And while some classics might prioritise one of these three more than the other two. For example, Huckleberry Finn is more adventure while Animal Farm is all philosophical. All of the classics draw you in with matters of the heart and the love is complicated and dynamic and messy just like in real life. So there you go, I guess. That's one theory. (laughs) I think mainly what I've learned from this experiment is that humans haven't changed. I mean, sure, what we can glean of the past through classic 19th century novels is a very small sliver of the human experience, but the matters of the heart, they stay the same, don't they? Romeo falls in love with Juliet, Mr. Darcy falls in love with Elizabeth Bennet, Archie falls in love with Clara, and Toru falls in love with Naoko. I'm simplifying it, of course, but you get the idea. Love and loss and happiness and heartbreak and guilt and lust and jealousy and pain, these are all timeless and universal things that everyone feels. It's a shared human experience, and the authors who manage to capture those intense and raw emotions in their novels really are special. This is a nice note to end the podcast on, isn't it? But to bring it all back to reality, I am well aware of the social and cultural influences that make a classic a quote classic and that's something that I talk about in the episode from Dickens to Wolf what is a classic so check that episode out if you want to hear me talk more about that. That's all I have to say today I've been talking for a long time (laughs) but hopefully I'll edit it down to something listenable now, there was no book discussion pick for this month because obviously I started making podcast episodes halfway through the month. However, for next month, the month of April, the book club podcast discussion pick, I don't know, lots of words in there, is, drum roll please, Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters by Rick Riordan. I chose this one because it's fun, it's uplifting, it's exciting, and if you remember, a few months ago I did an episode on the first book with my friend Harry, and he's going to be coming back, we're going to be discussing it, Um, we just need to give him some time to recover from tonsillitis. So, I am very excited for this one, it's going to be a super fun and quick and easy read, and hopefully lift your spirits while you're all in self-isolation, so please read along, it will make the discussion episode so much more fun to listen to. And also, we will be doing an episode on the film, so stay tuned for that as well. I hope you're all staying safe and staying inside and following the advice from your medical healthcare professionals. Uh, Wash your hands, stay inside, read a book. That's going to become my new mantra. (laughs) anyway thank you guys so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode you can subscribe on itunes so that you never miss an episode you can also rate and review on your podcast platform of choice that would really help the podcast out You can follow the community library on Instagram at the underscore community underscore library. I am posting so much interesting, fun content over there, including what I plan to read while I'm in self-quarantine. And you can also use the hashtag the community library on Instagram and Twitter. I also have a blog which is angoweryslibrary.wordpress.com and there you will find full transcriptions of the episodes plus extra resources and links and notes on the episodes. The podcast artwork is designed by Ashley Running. You can look up more of her work at ashleyrunning.com, or you can go to helio-press.com. That's dash the symbol. Once again, thank you for listening and I will talk to you all next week. Bye. <music> Pre-tena- preternaturally. How do you say that? It's not prenatal. Prenat <laughs> prenat pre-na- preternaturally. 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 Okay.